7, up yours. It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. And I'm Emmy Zero. And folks, we've got some strange, unusual stuff. That, that That's the phrase, right? Wow, some strange, unusual stuff today. Yes, that's correct. We're going to be on a roller coaster, folks. Uh, real, uh, real up and down uh, experience this time. I think uh, I'm excited. I think this will be uh, this will be a fun, fun little clutch of games to look at. Um, so yeah, uh, we're still in September uh, of '93, and we're kind of. We're just kind of rolling along with it. Uh, speaking of rolling along, uh, we have decided to uh, to to skip one of the games that was originally in the order here. Uh, GP, what was it? GP one. Yeah, GP one. Yeah, which um, we looked at and we decided is uh, kind of too far on the side of just being like a boilerplate, like kind of sports game in terms of of uh, being a racing game. Uh, you know, a little, little too realistic, a little too dry. Not really anything for us to grab onto or, or say anything about there. So uh, we decided to, to just just sort of zoom on past that one. But we do have three games to talk about today. And uh, what do we what do we got, Steampunk Link? It's really feast or famine here. We got some games with some interesting backstories. Uh, we are looking at Mecha Robot Golf. We are looking at Captain America and the Avengers. Got that that Marvel machine chugging along. That's right. The most popular franchise in the world right now. Can't wait to see what kind of game they came up with to do uh, to do justice to that. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got the cool spot. Ah, oh, that little guy. He's so cool. He is. I, I wish I could be as cool as he is. I, I just I don't have enough cool points yet. I, do, I need to keep collecting those cool points. You got to get at least 20 uh, percent more cool points to be to be even in, in kind of the same ballpark as him. Yeah. Well, speaking of ballpark, let's go on to another kind of ballpark. The, the golf course. <laughs> and uh, it looks like a pretty normal golf course. Nothing strange here. Oh, hey, it's a robot. Hey. It's a robot right in the middle of this golf course that otherwise is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> Mecha Robot Golf, and last episode we speculated that this was probably just going to be golf what got robots in it. Yeah. We were almost right. This is golf what got robot, singular, in it. Just the one. Just the one. Everybody else is just like a normal dude in a polo shirt. But then there's this guy who looks like he kind of looks like Ultraman. But if Ultraman had like a very realistic human face with kind of bedroom eyes, you know, yeah. yeah, 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 very, very strange, a little off putting uh, to me, at least. But he is here to teach you golf and play golf against you. So uh, I wanted to go into the backstory of this game a little bit because it's kind of interesting. So this comes to us from Toho. We have talked about Toho before. They are the uh, Japanese studio most famous for kaiju monster films, including Godzilla. Uh, they are producers and or distributors of a lot of other films and anime, uh, such as the works of Akira Kurosawa, Studio Ghibli. They are a big freaking deal in, uh, in the movie entertainment business, and their impact has spread 
far beyond the borders of their home country. Um, video games, on the other hand, not really their thing. Uh, their history with video games is a little bit more than a, a footnote when compared to their their uh, history with cinema and television. But anyway, so um, Mecha Robot Golf. Golf with a humanoid robot. Sounds like that would be in their wheelhouse. But strangely enough, uh, this game did not start out as a game about a robot. In Japan, this was just a pretty straightforward golf game, which was adorned with the likeness and endorsement of Japanese professional golfer, and important to note, not robot, Nobuo Sirizawa. Uh, around the time this came out, Sirizawa would have been hot off a win at the Imperial Open, his third in what would end up being five Japan Golf Tour wins between 1987 and 2000. His success in Japan never quite brought him more international acclaim, as he seems to have only ever participated in three international tournaments, um, which is probably why he didn't make the transition over to North America. Rather than license a similarly successful American golfer for the North American release, Toho and developer Advanced Communication Company just put a robot on there instead and gave him a name, Eagle, and a backstory via the instruction manual, um, which <laughs> goes something like, in the future, there are now humanoid robots that have been built, but people are weary of them and it sort of created this... I don't know, what do you want to call it? A cast system almost, but it's a... That's pretty much what the... they call The, the instruction manual literally calls them second-class citizens. Yes, so... Uh, but uh, anyway, Eagle was built to play golf perfectly, but finds himself banned from playing in human golf tournaments, as that would be seen as unfair to his fleshy opponents. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a metaphor in there. <laughs> Not unlike the... Uh, the, the, the mutant metaphor from the X-Men, like that metaphor, is not entirely perfect. <laughs> it's a strange thing for them to be trying for here, I feel like. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that it's here. I mean, you know, given that it's golf in America, uh, golf clubs are one of those things over here that uh, they kept the overt racism like just outright banning or segregating minorities uh, alive and well uh, long after that stuff was eliminated in other U.S. institutions on paper. <laughs> I mean, you, said, you did say overt racism, so, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that stuff's still around. They just don't write it down anymore in a way that, like, golf clubs were happy to keep doing, like, until the 1960s and later. I mean, Tiger Woods, in one of his books, has anecdotes about... Like when he was a kid, be, not being allowed in the same locker rooms as some of his friends when he was, you know, coming up in, in golf as, as a kid. And uh, Tiger Woods is 46, y'all. Like, he ain't old. No, no. This probably happened when most people listening to this were alive. You know, so just just for any of y'all who are just like, oh, racism, that, that happened way in the past. That's like ancient history. Uh, no, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we got this robot here and he plays golf. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I I got so uh, far off on my tangent about American racism. I forgot to talk about Advanced Communication Company, um, which, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about them. I, they don't have a website. There's very little information about them on Moby Games or Giant Bomb. They do not have a Wikipedia page. So they're just kind of one of those small 
for higher developers, I guess, although this isn't the only time that they would work with Toho. They uh, looks like their last game actually was a Godzilla game for the SNES, which I think came over here. So we might be looking at that one before too long as well. I mean, you know, I will say, you know, sprite work in this game not bad it's pretty good yeah, so it's fine. i think i think that that they've got some some potential skills here that would would translate pretty well to a godzilla we'll game we'll say that they so. they came a long way from their first credited game which was dr jekyll and mr hyde on the nes oh no <laughs> yeah. yeah woof anyway so uh mecha robot golf mecha robot golf um yeah it is a golf game. It's a very, very, I would say, very bog standard golf game. It's got a couple of different modes. Um, basically, there's a lesson mode where the robot sort of acts as like an opponent, but also as sort of like an advisor. Um, you can very easily imagine the real golfer that was that was in the original version of this game, filling the same role. Uh, you know, you you play against him. He gives you advice on the holes. And, uh, you know, the the actual mechanics of playing are pretty standard at this point for a golf game you have. Uh, it's not actually I wouldn't say visualized that well, but you have a version of the like triple click uh, golf swing mechanic. You can select from a variety of different sets of clubs. There's there's a, a sort of different interface for uh, putting on the green. There's a tournament mode. Everything is you know, bright and green and colorful. Uh, I don't, I don't think these graphics are great aside from the sprite art. I think it looks really janky when the ball actually like, you know, flies down the, you know, the course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, like I think that I would say many of the golf games that we've played have done that aspect of it better, but it's not bad overall. Like it is, it, it does what it, sets out to do yeah for a game in which you know it's got a robot on the cover this is a pretty otherwise forgettable golf game uh it is yeah because the robot was just basically a, a painted on to hide the endorsement of a golfer nobody would have known in north america you know, so obviously they don't do a lot with that premise that they set up in the instruction manual. I mean, and it is just in the instruction manual. There's yeah. no reference to that in the game itself. This idea that like the robot was made to be perfect at golf, couldn't play professional golf. So this guy bought him and, you know, basically set up a golf, a golf utopia where he could play against against, you know, people who come to play against him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not in the game at all. Nope, no, it's not. A everything in this game is fine, but it's all been done better. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing remarkable about this aside from the weird clutch they did to get around the licensing thing. I don't know. I guess we can go ahead and rank this one, get it out of the yeah, way. Yeah, I think I... we can go ahead and rank it. We actually left several golf games on the list after our sports apocalypse took many of them off because we felt like we could we could talk about golf in, uh, you know, a game mechanics sense well enough to be able to put it to, to, to rank these games. So, yeah. so, uh, so, so right now we do that. We have lowered the number of games on our list to 194. That's right. We're back under 200. Yeah. We'll have a second 200 game on the list, but well, no, we probably won't do that. We, no, we, we probably won't do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's see where we want to actually put Mecha robot golf. So here's the thing. I was kind of thinking like, 
I, I remember True Golf Classics YLI being kind of, you know, like, oh, this one's okay. And thinking like, oh, that's yeah. probably good around there. But like, it's all the way down at 91. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was that low. Yeah. Now. Yeah, it's it's dropped considerably because we, you know, I don't think we've we've actually spent a lot of time considering that particular game in recent in recent months. But, you know, it just stays there and other stuff keeps going higher than it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, looking below that, we've got Axelay at number 92, and I, I don't think we could put it above Axelay. For one thing, uh, no. uh, Trevor from Catching Up on Cinema would not let us He get... would kill us, He might, yeah. he might. Yeah, I... yeah, I know. yeah. No. We love you, Trevor. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. not, yeah. Um, so, no, what, what, what is uh, a good floor for this one? I, I think maybe Battletoads and Battle Maniacs. I would not say I would rather play that game than this one. True. Uh, although, I mean, we do have Super Baseball Simulator. Um, oh, that's 1, true. 000, all, down at 111. And I do wonder, is this actually better than that? I don't know about that, actually. That's a good point. Um, well, let's start looking around what's going on uh, around there. Uh, Jimmy Connors Pro Tennis Tour and Super Black Bass. Super Bowling. They got a little clutch of sports games here, actually. So yeah, that, that survived. That survived, yeah. The ones who remain. Got to get as many Marvel references as I can that's, today. That's right. Yeah, Marvel game. That's right, yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, like, below all of those sports games, we've got Aerobiz. Yeah. What do you think about this in comparison to Aerobiz? I'll say this for Aerobiz. There is very little quite like it on the Super Nintendo. I mean, really, there's true. nothing quite like it yeah, on the Super Nintendo. True. Whereas um, I think just because we've already got so many like competent to good golf games on the system, um, like there's if nothing not else, the I argument say, that, yeah, this is a far less necessary game, I guess you could say. Than yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, this one keeps going down. Do we do we even want to rank this? Maybe. I mean, we've already got so many golf games that do golf, but like, do we have any yeah. lower, like what, what is the mm. lowest ranked golf game that's like even on our list right now? Do we, do I, uh, or have we already passed it by this point? I think we may have already it. passed it, frankly. Um, yeah. Maybe we just say if it can't hang with the, the ones that are higher up at this point, that there's just no point in putting it on the list. Yeah, I think that might be the way, because like the more we look at these games, I really struggle to come up with any kind of argument for why you should play uh, Mecha Robot Golf. Okay. So I think maybe it can. I think it was worth talking about because it is sort of a weird thing, but I think maybe it just doesn't go on the list, actually. It's not worth like saying like, oh, this is one of the worst games ever, like, you know, down here way at the bottom. But it's also just like completely unnecessary so i i think it's the kind of thing where like if they had if they had replaced uh the 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 golfer uh sarazawa is that his name yeah uh with like with like john McEnroe, we wouldn't even have bothered <laughs> to have the discussion about it I'm yeah that's sure. that is you entirely know? true so, yeah <laughs> so yeah all right well um sorry about that mecha robot golf i am sorry eagle uh uh, you're, you're just going to have to stay in, in obscurity. Speaking of Sprite art. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Wrong lemon lime soda. No. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Actually, we're not doing that one yet. That would have <laughs> been a really good transition, but uh, that would have been. I will have to remember it. for. Speaking <laughs> of Sprite art, there's it. some bad Sprite art <laughs> in this game. <laughs> yep.
Yeah, it's Captain America and the Avengers. Yeah, boy. Uh, this is something, huh? You know, last last time we talked about Alien versus Predator, and I really thought we were like at the bottom of the brawler barrel. And it turns out, no, uh, we're not. There, you know what? No, the the bottom <laughs> of the the. The bottom of the barrel is way lower than we thought it was. It Maybe turns there out. is no bottom. Maybe it's just like a weird infinity barrel. You fall into that barrel and you're just falling forever because there is no bottom. You can always make a worse brawler is what I'm just going to assume now. I'm never going to say there couldn't possibly be a worse brawler. You're, you're falling through that barrel for all of eternity. That's a scary barrel. It's a very scary barrel. And uh, man, uh, I I wish we could throw this game into it because <laughs> it's so bad. Guys, it's you have no idea, I think, honestly. Like, I thought I knew how bad a brawler could be, but I didn't. Uh, I really didn't. So, yeah, uh, it's Captain America and the Avengers. Um, you don't need us to tell you who those guys are because they're very famous now. But uh, they weren't. Uh, they were not. This was not a top tier property back in 1993. So the, some people made a game about them. And who did that? Who who made this? <laughs> Steampunk. So uh, this uh, so this is based on an arcade game that was released in 1991 by Data East um, in 1991. Good year to release an arcade brawler connected to a franchise because, you know, hey, we got definitely TMNT in 89. You got The Simpsons in 91. You got X-Men in 92. Those were all made by Konami, though. And um, I I can't tell you how well or not well Data East did because I've never played the arcade game myself. Um, This port was published by Mindscape and developed by Real Time Associates fairly certain we have talked about both of those Uh by now yeah we we have Um, but um, yeah this is this game is just a mess um and and i'll be honest you know like looking at footage of the arcade game it doesn't look much better than this i don't know how it plays but it looks tighter than this it looks like it's got you know some better transitions between areas and that they may i'm not sure about this because i haven't compared them one to one but i think that it looks like they may have bulked out the stages with more like random encounter mobs in in uh the home version but fundamentally yeah these are really the same game like this is a very very straight conversion yeah and uh so, so you take on um the the role of three of earth's mightiest heroes and also hawkeyes there um yep (laughs) you know actually you know what i don't hate hawkeye that much you know he's i don't hate hawkeye it's really weird that he's the fourth playable character in this brawler that also includes iron man captain america and the vision yeah uh you know like that doesn't seem like like okay so for one thing the other three guys are people who I think are known for being able to punch folks real hard. Yes. Which is seemingly what you would need for a brawler. Hawkeye is a guy with a bow and arrow. Why is he the fourth guy for this set of, of characters here? He's not an efficient face puncher like the other three. You need a, an Avenger what can face punch in there. You know, get yourself a, a, a Thor, a Black Panther. Yeah. You know, I mean, like they also need to fire beams. You could have done a Scarlet Witch, but I guess that would have required having to record like a second second. set of voice clips for the characters when they scream every time they get hit. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, no, it's the same. They only have one set of voice clips uh, for all four of these characters. And you will hear those clips constantly when you play this, because, man, you start this game and you're just going to get rolled like right from the start. The Red Skull, who is the villain of this game, has a lot of minions and they are all going to be on screen immediately, just stun locking you forever. Yeah. Red Skull found the finest supervillains who had nothing better to do available, like uh, a classic characters like Whirlwind and the Living Laser. Yeah, uh, the living laser is one of the so this game in order it only has five stages, but in order to fit in as much of this top tier Marvel goodness as possible, uh, you have multiple boss fights per stage. And uh, yeah, I, I don't recognize like three quarters of these people. I'm not a super huge um you know, fan of these comics, but I know at least enough Marvel stuff to to have, a, I think, a decently deep knowledge of of this universe. And um, yeah, like I don't recognize, you know, throughout like the first like half of this game, I recognize maybe three of the bosses that you fight. And one of them, one of them I only recognize because it's definitely a sentinel, yes. even though they just call it giant robot in right. this thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of misplaced X-Men villains, they've also got a version of Juggernaut here who kind of just looks like he's got a red orb where his face should be. Um, uh-huh. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's really Juggernaut. I think it's maybe like that guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia who always you know pretends to be. Uh, professional athletes, even though he clearly is. Oh, yeah. Maybe like Red Skull hired that guy to play Juggernaut in this game. Yeah, (laughs) he couldn't get the real Juggernaut. So, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's just a very, very obvious uh, piece of evidence how little juice as like a, a commodity the Avengers had at this point in time when compared to like the X-Men or Spider-Man. <laughs> this this looks like it it might as well be like uh like a BT like like an LJN game based on like a TV show that only lasted for two seasons. Like that's the level that we're talking about here. Yeah. And I mean play-wise, like everything feels floaty. Like you just walk through enemies. There's no like collision is detection is bad. There's really no collision for just walking. Um like like everybody's just ethereal. No, yeah, you absolutely can just walk through things, yeah. Sometimes the game isn't a bad brawler, sometimes it's a bad shooter as well to mix things up a bit. Yes. Important thing to note, the characters here are very tiny for brawler characters, but very large for shmup characters. So they don't change that at all. So you suddenly have a much too large character uh, floating around the screen trying to shoot and avoid things. And um, it works about as badly as you think it would. Yeah. And also remember, Captain America and Hawkeye don't fly, so they have to be in giant dumb vehicles. Oh, this game is so awful. I can't like the the enemies can just like walk through you. You don't seem to stun them very much with your attacks, but they send you flying with every punch. Uh, and it's it's so frustrating. Throw mechanics don't work like they you you feel like they should in most brawling type games. 
oh, this thing is a mess. I cannot think of a game that made me this angry while I was playing it in quite some time. Yeah, it's really rough. Like, it's truly... And, like, yeah, I genuinely... Because I haven't... We've never played the arcade version. I can't tell how much of this is just a bad port. Uh, but it seems like this could be... Like, it doesn't look like a, an amazing arcade game in the first place. So this seems like it is a bad port of an already mediocre game. And that's a really rough combination here. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I can't, I don't have anything good to say about this game. Honestly, like it's really just like the best thing I can say about this game is that I thought the, uh, the little like portrait art for whirlwind, uh, during the boss fight with him that shows up next to his life bar is very cute. It shouldn't be that cute, but it's very adorable. Like, I would like to have that as, like, uh, like a reaction image to use on my phone. Also, why does he have a weird chipmunk laugh? I also want to know why he's got a I weird don't chipmunk know. Laugh. I don't know. Yeah, like, in the arcade version, all of the villains have little voice lines they say that don't really make any sense before you fight them. Like, uh, I saw that um, when you fight... When you go up to fight Ultron in uh, in in like the second to last stage in the arcade version, he's like uh, the, the whatever Avenger you're playing is like, where's the space laser? And Ultron's reply is, why don't you ask the police? And it's like, what does that mean? The police stole the space laser. A cab, folks. A cab. Yeah, that's what that's what our friend Ultron is saying. But yeah, they cut out the voice, the voice lines in this. So it actually has even less personality. But you just still get weird stuff like like um, uh, like whirlwind's weird little chipmunk giggle. Yeah. Um, so yeah. also the, in the whirlwind fight in the arcade, I, I think like the the banter went something along the lines of like. Uh, the heroes saying there is no escape and whirlwind saying you'll be doing the escaping. Yeah. What the hell? Who says that? You mean you're not going to be able to, you're, you're incapable of doing like you're acknowledging right now that you cannot defeat us. Yeah. That's not a reciprocal <laughs> threat. Yeah. Well, no, I mean like, I mean like I'm going to, st- you're going to want to try to, you know what I mean? Stop being a jerk. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, it's really something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, God. But yeah, uh, that's actually that fight's actually kind of a good indication of like what they did cut for this port, though, because at least in the arcade uh, version that that area, uh, for one thing, has a big kind of nicely animated uh, tree in the background that is getting like buffeted by the wind. And also there's a bunch of like destructible objects all around that you can, that you could potentially like pick up and throw at whirlwind. And like, none of that is in this, this, uh, super Nintendo version. So it's just even more charmless than, <laughs> than like, cause that's the thing. Like, I feel like that arcade game at least seems like it has some kind of janky charm to it. And like very little of that even comes through in this, in this game, in this port. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think you can probably go to the list and honestly, like the nicest thing I think I can say about this is it's probably not going to go at the very bottom. Probably not. There are definitely some games we played that are worse than this, but not very many of them. Yeah, honestly, I think I'm starting it. Yeah. Robocop three it uh, it 191. And I don't know. Do you think this is better or worse than that? 
I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably a little more because Robocop three, I found it very difficult to um, even get to the end of the first stage just because of the basic gameplay mechanics of it. And I didn't really quite have that problem with this. I just had a terrible time doing it. You know, so I think maybe this does go above Robocop three based on that. RPM racing was honestly like like had problems that made it almost unfunctional, which I mean, like you could almost say that about this game as well. But I I don't almost almost, but not quite to the same extent. Um, uh, Yeah. So I I think that, yeah, the same stuff I could say about Robocop three can also say about RPM racing. So it can go up from there. Um, Road Riot four wheel drive. Uh, bad, bad game. Also some weird, some weird racism in that oh, one. Yeah. If, if I remember correctly, I don't remember a lot about road riot for WD. So that would explain it's, uh, it's low placement here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it can, this can probably go above that. Now our first real question, how does this compare to home alone? Who? Home Alone, also a pretty bad game, also made by, I think, one of the the superstars of bad uh, Super Nintendo games, Imagineering. You know, good company for a real time associates game. But I don't know, like, uh, what are you thinking about this? Because I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear what you think. I, I don't know if I've got a lot of thoughts about Home Alone. I mean, like right now I'm trying to think of like a ceiling. I think Ultraman might be the ceiling just because at least Ultraman looked better. Yeah, Ultraman is probably the ceiling. I think maybe Earth Defense Force might also might actually be um, the ceiling for okay. me personally, because I do think that game is at least a little more a little more functional and a little bit prettier, at least than this in terms of of, you know, being a shoot 'em up. So, yeah. What were your thoughts on Home Alone, though? Uh, Home Alone plays really badly, but I think at least it has like a little bit more going on, like concept wise than this game does like i think that like the concept of home alone where you're trying to like uh you're trying to find all of the stuff all that the that the the wet bandits and all of their friends are trying to steal from kevin's house and and lock it up before they can do that is maybe at least a little more interesting as a concept than this very like bog standard beat em up going on here but it's also it's also a really bad game like it's a really unenjoyable game to play so i think maybe just like in terms of like raw playability um captain america and the avengers maybe wins out over it but only like just barely okay so it sounds like maybe this is going right between earth defense force and home alone then and is our new 188 that or that's sort of the conclusion i've come to do you feel like that is reasonable i'm totally fine with that yeah All right, so let's put it there. Let's put Captain America and all of his tiny little friends uh, to bed for now. Captain America, more like Crapton America, am I right? Yep, got him. Yeah. Anyway, folks, speaking of sprite work. (laughs) (laughs) Sprite work, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's do that transition now. Yeah. let's, Let's make it happen, yeah. Let's move on to let's go to the beach. Let's get let's get let's catch a wave on our on our seven up bottle. No, we're talking about the cool spots or uh, is it just cool spot? Cool I think spot. it's just cool spot. Yeah. 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 
Uh, this is a Seven Up game, uh, not yeah. Heads Up Seven Up. The the classic. Look, we, it's too rainy to play outside today, kids. So we're gonna play this boring game at your desk. Yep. Um, way better than that. Uh, cool Spot comes to us from developer Virgin Games USA and published by Virgin Games. This is the second video game to feature the Seven Up mascot Spot. 7-Up is the lemon-lime soda that was first introduced as Bib Label Lithiated Lemon-Lime Soda. Wow, what a delicious name. I wonder why they changed that. Like, I wouldn't, why didn't they just keep with that? Damn. Yeah, it, 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 originally it contained lithium citrate, and uh, the name was shortened to 7-Up in 1936, and by 1948 it no longer contained lithium nitrate, uh, lithium citrate. Not, not lithium nitrate, lithium citrate. Uh-huh. Yeah, keep your... Keep your chemicals straight here. Uh, I'm not a chemist. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff you learn when you're researching old video games. Yeah. Kind of a deep well of weird knowledge that goes along with this game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so 7-Up, they're still around today. Uh, not bad for a soda that was introduced like a few months or possibly weeks before the great stock market crash of 1928. Look, man, people so. were feeling bad. They needed that lithium from the seven up <laughs> that feel <laughs> better. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, but anyway, so, uh, uh, the cool spot is, uh, an anthropomorphized red dot with sunglasses drawing inspiration from the seven ups red dot logo. And, uh, it was the U S mascot for seven up and appeared in advertising for the brand in the eighties and nineties with some overlap with Fido Dido and would end up being featured in four video games. Uh, the first one being 1990s spot, the video game for the NES, which was, uh, an actually kind of neat competitive puzzle game that could be played with, uh, up to four players and actually utilized uh, the uh, the I think it was called the four score um, controller adapter on the NES. There was a third one for the Game Boy called Spot the Cool Adventure uh, in 1994. That one was actually only released in Japan and in Europe, but was reskinned in Europe as a McDonald Land game uh, since Spot was not the Seven Up mascot in Europe, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, finally, an isometric platform shooter kind of game on the Genesis, PS1, and Saturn called Spot Goes to Hollywood was the last one, and that came out in 1995. Um, so we are talking about this game. It came out on multiple systems, and it also got a release in Europe. But uh, like I said, uh, Spot was never the 7-Up mascot in Europe. Uh, it was Fido Dido over there, and they did not want to uh, mix the branding over there, I guess. So uh, when they released Cool Spot in Europe, all of the 7-Up branding was removed. So this was just a game about a cool little red circle guy there. It was there. just, yeah. So no 7-Up logos anywhere in the game. That is wild to me to just think. It is, that, like, they just, yeah. But I guess the reverse kind of happened over here a few times, like with Pushover. And uh, I, we'll kind of talk about a similar thing happening when we get to Zool. Yes, that's right. Which Zool was pushing candy real hard uh, in in most parts of the world, but I not here for that first game, at least, I think. Yeah, it, it's just it's just wild to me. Like it, it, It'd be like, uh, I don't know, like having a, a Tony the Tiger video game with absolutely no mention of Frosted Flakes. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, the character is good enough by itself uh, yeah. to, to carry this game. And I actually think in this case, that argument holds up. Like, I don't think there's anything about this game that needs the 7-Up connection specifically to make it 
more compelling for for a pl- potential player. Like, yeah, I mean, you the, know, the character is a like, little bit strange, but the game itself is really, the game really good. It's really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, do you have any more any more like uh, backstory for this that you want to get into before we get into talking about the game itself? No, I, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. We all right. Just, we just talk about the game. But you know, I do just want to say, like, I want to preface this all with, like, we just talked about a game where I was really expecting a lot more and was seriously let down. This, the opposite is true here. I was expecting very little from this, you know, branded game trying to sell me soda. Yeah, I expected something more like the Chester Cheetah game that we played. Yeah, um, but uh, this <laughs> game... I had a ton of fun playing this, actually. Yeah, I loved me this. too. I thought this was great. Yeah, I had a wonderful time. I, I nearly completed this game. I played through most of this on easy, admittedly, which um, there are some some considerable changes in uh, how this game kind of uh, feels and plays between the different difficulty levels. But uh, I would say uh, for the, you know, for anybody coming to this for the first time, if you're going to play this game, definitely do it on easy because it is still a challenge. It's still fun, but it's uh, it takes a it, it you know, depopulates the stage with uh, enemies uh, and, um, you know, really lowers what you need to do in order to complete them, uh, complete the stages, uh, it lowers the, the difficulty level to a point where uh, you can really just enjoy the level designs here. So what is this game? This game is um, side scrolling platform uh, shooter, almost, I guess, Uh kind of a collect-a-thon. Uh, this game is interesting to me because it, you know, there there's a certain type of game that I kind of associate with, like, European platform games that uh, this is kind of in that genre, even though I don't actually know if... I guess this was not European in origin. I think this was this was made here in the, in the U.S. Yeah, but, I think it was developed by Virgin Games U.S. specifically. Yeah, so. um, I think actually a lot of the same folks that would go on to work on, like, the Genesis Aladdin in game we're on this uh if i'm if i'm correct uh but yeah so so basically this is a game that uses a lot of tropes of platform games like having to collect a certain number of items before you can complete the level uh kind of big like almost kind of maze-like levels uh you know and uh, like really, really like super highly animated characters. A lot of these things show up in games that I'm not strictly speaking a fan of, but here they all work. Like, I don't know. I guess it's just down to, to thoughtful game design, thoughtful, thoughtful level design. But yeah, all of this stuff comes together here in a way that I find really fun. And uh, I guess a lot of that kind of goes back to the movement controls for, for spot. Um, so basically, uh, the, I think that the big thing about this game is the way he jumps, because you have a, a jump in this game that is extremely, uh, extremely variable, and extremely versatile. Uh, it's like he kind of tends to jump in these big, long arcs, but they're very clean arcs. It's very easy to predict where you're going to go when you jump at different like uh, angles and different like points in in his his kind of movement uh routine so that means that it's very easy to traverse these levels and to pick up items and and do what you you actually need to do to complete these levels uh without really getting like frustrating or obnoxious to have to do all this stuff 
Yeah, yeah. I I really liked the way that the spot controlled. I I really, you know, I thought the jump was pretty good. There were a few times where I felt like um, I didn't grab on to like a balloon or a rope when I should have. But I mostly I was able to, to utilize those things. And you don't have to think a lot about what button you have to push or what you have to push on the D-pad in order to get him to grab those items and, you know, and like climb up and down ropes. Um, you can fire in multiple directions. So it makes handling enemies, you know, like I never felt like I was, you know, presented with a, with a challenge that I was completely overwhelmed by. Um, there are a few little quirky things. Like I, I wish he had a run button. I feel like his walking speed is a little bit slow and he kind of has to pick up momentum. It's strange. Yeah. He's like a momentum based character. So basically like if you move for like a couple seconds, his, his movement speed will just increase on its own. And yeah, that it, it works, but it feels a little strange. Like I do kind of wish that you could just hold down a button and immediately go into that, that run. But, um, but like I said, they, I think they designed the levels pretty well around these, these, movement capabilities so uh it all works and like basically uh you are going through these different levels and you have to collect a certain number of these sort of floating red spots in the air in order to be able to uh free the the captured spot friend <laughs> uh that we find at the end of the level and that number of how many spots you need to collect changes based on what difficulty level you're at so if you're on easy you only have to collect 30 uh 30 spots uh, if you're on medium, you need 60. And if you're on hard, you actually need 90 spots in order for the end of the level to be available. Yeah. And like in the first level, the beach, you know, there you, you can walk through in a pretty standard, like how you would expect sort of way for a platformer. You just, you know, walk to the right and defeat enemies and find little alcoves full of cool points. But also... Uh, if you get to the end of the level and you don't have enough, you can discover like there's this whole sequence across the sky almost throughout the entire level where you can just hop from balloon to balloon and, and jump off of bubbles that give you like a, act like temporary trampolines um, and, and find a whole lot more of those little dots, which I think they just call cool points throughout yeah, the level they just that way. Cool, cool points. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you get enough of these, even if like you, you are on easy, you still need to collect. I think it's like 75 percent of them in order to open up the bonus stage between levels where you can earn uh, extra lives and continues. So, you know, it kind of does benefit you to try to explore. But if you don't want to do that, if you just want to make like a straight run for the the end of the level, you pretty much can, especially on easy. It's it's kind of hard to get through the level without collecting enough spots uh enough cool points to to reach the end so it does take away some of that frustration of like okay i reached the end but i don't have enough so let's go back and see what else i can find um like that doesn't really happen so much in this game and i think that the levels are just like very like cleverly designed to kind of feed you through them in a, a really good way while also leaving room for a bunch of secrets and alternate paths and stuff yeah, yeah. So once you've got enough cool points, that will make the uh, the basically the end of the stage accessible to you, which comes in the form of, like you were saying, uh, a spot who is locked up in a cage that you have to shoot open to free him. And then once you've done that, the level is over. Um, and um, yeah, so I mean, that's that's pretty much the game. You go through some beach levels and then you're inside of walls. Uh, everything is kind of like, you know, uh, presented as if you are yeah, like, as if you are tiny yeah, like jumping around the, a giant world yeah 
Yeah, and it's great. It's like a really good theme for this. Like the the last time we saw something like this, I guess, was Harley's Humongous Adventure. But this game, I think, does it much better than that one did uh, in terms of being a tiny thing in in a giant world. do need to talk about like this game's graphics and overall oh, yeah. presentation because it's, it's really good it's so good so i mean first of all you've got the the spot himself he's very well animated he's got a lot of different animations for different things he's got like a cartwheel animation when you're on a slope which is uh-huh. really neat um his walking animation is great um he's he's even though he's a very simply designed character he's got a lot of personality and i, yeah. I think it's it's really well done but the thing that I, I maybe love the most about this game is, you know, you, you open on these beach levels and there's just something about like all this, you know, like soda imagery. You're walking along a beach. You, you pass by like a, a Walkman type cassette player that, you know. Yeah. Like, and you can uh, see the wheels on the cassette rolling, you know, on the on like the spools. It's like really cool. Yeah. It just really brought back like some nostalgic yeah. Happy summertime memories for me. I I just absolutely loved it. I was kind of bummed that all of the levels weren't going to be, you know, like these summery themed levels. I was kind of uh-huh. hoping that that was what this was going to be. But then you go into like a level where you're just like inside of a wall. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. quite as exciting to me. But OK, well. Yeah, we'll keep going. but after that, after that, you do the the thing. Another thing, uh, presentation wise, I really thought was cool was after that you have a long set of levels that are inside a toy store, and some of the toys in there, like there are these things that they're not actually like part of the level, but there's these really gross looking like big rat toys with like a mohawk that you can see in the background that are like a perfect like you know cool you know cool attitude like '90s design for something like that. Uh, and there's also these uh, these enemies in those levels that are the that they're uh, a version of those like little rubber monsters that you could put on like the end of like a pencil. And I have I did not expect to see something like so specific represented in this game. I thought it was really fun to, to see those in here. You were kind of comparing this to some somewhat similarly designed Euro games that, you know, we have typically not held in very high regard. And I think you can kind of see like a difference, maybe not necessarily in like American versus European no, yeah. design, but like the, but just in like the, the, the quality of the way these things are deployed here. I exactly. Think. Like think of something like James Pond, where you also have like a toy store level and yeah, yeah. what did that look like? It was just like generic, like teddy bear designs over the back that didn't right. have any sense of like, space where this game felt like it was designed by somebody who went to a toy store and and saw things and thought like oh what if like what if you were a little thing like fighting uh, fighting this monster on the end of this pencil or you know like somebody went places and was inspired and and made something like this yeah and this game does a thing also that i i thought was cool like this could come off as seeming kind of cheap but i think it really works here where basically after you make your way so you you go from the beach to like this kind of like marina area where there's like a big like yacht in the background to inside of a wall to inside the toy store and then you have several levels inside the toy store but then after that you basically trace the same route back out 
So the last few levels, you go back through a, a different section of the wall, and then you go back to the the docks, but now it's sunset and everything's bathed in this kind of like golden, like kind of like orange golden hour sort of sort of uh, hue. And then you're back on the beach. So like there is like a real sense of like space and progression here. And they do like different fun gimmicks with those levels when you go back through the same uh, and to be clear, it's not literally the same levels. It's a new level that's kind of using the same like tile set, but it really works and it's really cool. So, yeah, like there is like a real sense of like, you know, uh, like a, a, a physical space that somebody like sat down and like thought about like what would be what would be fun and and uh, specific to put in these places that I really, really liked. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the bonus stage really quick. Oh yeah, it's bonus stage is great. It yeah. looks so neat. You're bouncing inside of a, a giant Seven Up bottle with you know like yeah, a it's bunch all of, green and oh, uh, it bubbly looks, and it's so cool. It looks so yeah. Cool. The the, I love the it. bonus stages almost have the feel of like a Donkey Kong Country level or something. Yeah, where you're kind of like bouncing in these like long sequences of like there's these um bubbles that you can kind of jump on that'll sort of like bounce you up and they they'll put like a bunch of those in sequence so you kind of go on like uh, almost like like a you know cannon path or something through these levels and uh yeah really good really good summer imagery like i mean the, the title screen is a 16-bit version of wipeout which you probably heard as we started this segment and we're wondering okay yeah. are we not going to talk about the fact that that was just wipeout yep, um that yes, was wipeout we, yeah we will that that was us talking about it you know i i enjoyed this a lot on easy um it was still pretty challenging especially some of those um kind of middle levels really kind of you know are are like really sort of tight platforming challenges uh and and you know the challenge level is definitely still there but i found it a lot more manageable on easy personally but i think yeah you were saying that kind of you could you know see a person like replaying this game on the progressively higher difficulty levels and sort of getting more out of it yeah uh, that way if you start on easy you know the game is is you know still challenging but is is kind of you know breezy to get through. It's still fun. But then when you bump up the difficulty, not only are the challenges a little bit different, but you've got entirely new enemy types that you wouldn't have seen uh, in your first playthrough. So it's really almost like getting more content. So I think that the way they did difficulty settings here is actually very good for replayability and really smart. I I really just can't say enough good about this game. It's, It's a game that really didn't have any right being as good as it is, but it is it is fantastic. I thought it was a delight. Yeah, I thought I think this is honestly like a top tier platformer on the Super Nintendo, which is wild to say. But yeah, um, you know, I I expected very little out of this and got a whole lot. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say it's perfect by any stretch. The, no, you know, it's I, not like um, it's got some issues. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, like it's this is a very this is a really solid game. I had a ton of fun with this. I will definitely play this again at some point. Um and yeah, just like completely unassuming because I remember reading about this game in Nintendo Power back in the day and just not being terribly enamored with the look of it or, you know, thinking that it was it looked like anything all that special. But uh, 
I am I am just really really surprised that this ended up being as enjoyable as it was. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing I do want to mention before we go to the list uh, is um, I didn't mention it for the previous two games, but I am still looking at the instruction manuals for these things as we go along, and the instruction manual for this game is really good, and I think kind of uh, you know it demonstrates the level of like you know, care and and sort of like effort that was put into this game because it has two things about it that I think are very fun. One of them is that there's a flip book in it. Yeah. Uh, there's like a little flip animation of spot, basically of his like walk cycle uh, that you can see by, by you know, uh, flipping the, the corners of the pages. And that's really cool. The other thing is that all of the levels have... Um, so the, the instruction manual is like a pretty it's set up in a pretty normal way. Like, you know, we have like a little explanation of the story. We have an explanation of the controls and a pretty in-depth explanation of what the different difficulty levels change about the game, which is cool. And then we have like kind of a level by level sort of like breakdown of like, you know, here's what this level is. Here's like the theme and everything. And then there's a little bit of like essentially like developer commentary about the level uh, that, that accompanies it. That's like, hey, look out for this thing here. You know, we we, you know, like, yeah, this level has a lot of really difficult jumps, but we did play test all of them. So we know they're they're doable um, or like, hey, if you if you're stuck in this level, uh, just try jumping up when you're on a balloon because you'll come right back down onto it, but you might see something. And it's like this this neat little level of like not condescendingly at all, like the developer kind of just like talking to the players and, you know, kind of giving them a little nudge about like a secret or something maybe. And it's cool. It's really, it's really neat and thoughtful and not a thing that, once again, this is a game based on a seven up advertising mascot. Yeah. <laughs> like there is no reason why they needed to work this hard on, you know, uh, like, you know, any aspect of this. But yeah, they, they did. Yeah. And it's awesome. It, it, that really is the, the the thing at the end of the day is like there's just so many little touches here that's like they probably wouldn't even like he didn't have to be as well animated as he is. He didn't need as many different animations as he's got. Uh you know, any of that probably could have been just like, you know, a little bit worse and the game still would have been fine. But there's just so much attention to detail here. So many little things that just, you know, like really make you think, wow, somebody this was really a labor of love for somebody. Someone really wanted, to, you know, yeah, somebody said somebody was told like some team was told, hey, you're making an advertising game and still just said, we're going to make a really freaking good one of those. And. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. put a lot into it, and I am, I'm just really impressed with this. So, yeah, I guess we need to figure out where this goes on the list, and um, yeah, I guess so. I'll be honest, I'm starting all the way up at like I'm looking at like the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse at 26, and I'm thinking, yeah, like, I think I enjoyed this more. I think this is actually a better game than that. Yeah, no, so like looking up from there, um. I think I probably enjoyed this more than Buster Bust Loose. I think I did too. Um, uh, yeah. Goof Troop might Goof be Troop. like the more like like the first like 
I, I got to think about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, it's a, a Goof Troop's kind of a different kind of game, but it's a very clever one, mm-hmm. and um, you know, a really well made game as well. So yeah. maybe like Hook right above it would be a better comparison. Like, do you I think, think this yeah. is a better game than Hook? Because that's also a platformer, but it's a really good one. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you can actually compare these two games. Uh, You know, I think that both of them have like a really surprisingly high level of like attention to detail. Um, And even though they're going for kind of a very different feel in terms of what they are as a platform game, um, I think they in some ways actually have kind of similar strengths and weaknesses where, you know, you got really good controls. You maybe have some places where it tries to, like, push those a little bit further than is is really advisable. But I think I may actually give the edge here to Cool Spot just because of how much I like how how variable they made d- the difficulty levels and how they gave you kind of an option for, like, uh, a, ch- a more chill and less demanding version of this game uh, if you wanted that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I Okay. So I guess we'll keep going up. I think I would keep going up from Blazion, the bio cyborg mm-hmm. challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think true. I think so. Um, got Lemmings, Lemmings at 21. Yeah. Lemmings is tough. Lemmings is, is tough. Like, like, okay. So we got like Contra three right above it at 20. I personally am infinitely more likely to play and enjoy cool spot than Contra three because Contra three is like, it's hard and challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That's not my kind of thing. Like I just want something yeah. that I can just kind of have a fun time with and enjoy. I'm not really always looking for like some really toughest nails challenge. Um, yeah. But I don't know fair. if I can say that that means that I think it's a better game necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, one thing I will say in, in cool spots favor is I think it's maybe a little more consistent than Contra three because Contra mm-hmm. three has a couple of stages. Like it has those top down stages that I think most people are sort of in agreement. Don't really work as well as the rest of the game. Whereas cool spot, even though it does actually do some pretty different stuff with its level designs as it goes on, I think remains a more sort of like, you know, uh, you know, clearly like intentionally designed experience all the way through. So I might give it the edge just based on that. Okay. So we're going to elevate this above lemmings in Contra three. I think maybe so. Yeah. I think that that might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We got star Fox at 19. Do we keep going or I don't know. Uh, It's a good question. So star Fox. um, I like star Fox a whole lot. And I think that, Starbucks has uh, a, a lot of uh, it also actually does have some nice different difficulty options. So, you know, uh, but I don't know. What do you think? I think you're a little further away from Star Fox than me. So you might be able to offer a little bit more kind of, of a measured critique of these. What do you think? Like Star Fox is, is doing some really interesting, almost ahead of its time stuff, but it suffers a little bit because of that. Like the game is pretty slow. It's a little choppy. True. True. Um, Cool spot knows what it's doing. It's well-trod territory, but it's, it's also like just making a really, really good one of those things. But uh, I don't know. I I, I don't, it seems almost blasphemous to say, yeah, cool spot is a better game than star Fox. The seven up game is a better game than star Fox. Like that, 
It doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think maybe this is where it stops. Maybe we put it between Star Fox and Contra 3. Okay, it's our new number 20 then? Yeah, how do you feel about that? I'm cool with that. It's still higher than I maybe thought it would go, but like I I really love it. I really I really, really love enjoyed it. it. I've I've had a v- I had an excellent time playing it. The 7 Up game is a top 20 game for us. I, I never would have thought that. I never, I never would have expected that. I never would have thought that either, but like, you know, and I will admit some of it is just like because of like all the imagery associated with it, it is really getting me in a nostalgic place and maybe it is being boosted because yeah. of that, but um, I still, I think it's really, I still had a lot more fun playing this than I've, you know, just like going in cold to a game than I have in a long time. Yeah, so. same here, same here. Uh, this was a really, uh, really wonderful surprise, honestly, so so yeah, thank you, Cool Spot, and thank you, Virgin Interactive. Uh, and uh, I I loved squishing and squashing that Virgin Interactive logo uh, at the uh, the the front of this game too. That was another fun fun bit of this. Uh, did you do that? I at all? did not realize that was a thing. Now that's yeah, you can press all the buttons on the Super Nintendo controller, and like the face of Super Mario in Mario sixty four, you can you can squeeze and squash and yoink out the sides of the Virgin Interactive logo. Oh wow! So, oh, wow. Innovators, yeah. innovators so, there. Innovate, absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. Um, also, <laughs> yeah. I, maybe we should mention um, Tommy Tallarico did the music for this one, which. Uh, oh yeah. Okay, that's a guy with a. a Ever, ever spottier uh, uh, <laughs> reputation, yeah. but he did do the the uh, soundtracks for a lot of classic games in this time period. It's not the last time we're going to see Tommy Tallarico. No, certainly not. On, on he, this he's show, a guy who can make some but... good video game soundtracks and should learn to stay in his lane. Yeah, never let him design, uh, never never let him run a company that is supposedly making a new video game console, I think is what we've learned. Yeah, yeah. Um, we love your music, but stay right the hell in your lane, Tommy, and m- maybe find some better yeah. friends too, you know? Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Uh, anyway, folks, that's going to do it for today. We need to talk about what we're talking about next time. And... Yeah, what have we got coming oh, we up? We got a big one, guys. We got Mortal Kombat. Oh man, okay. Well, I guess we're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see how mortal that combat really we, is. We are. We are gonna mortal the heck out of some combats, and then we're going to um, logic uh, the heck out of some Operation Bombs. We've got Operation Logic Bomb, which I think is like a puzzle game of some kind, but I don't actually know. I've never played it. I don't either. Yeah, I think that game is on the Nintendo Switch Super Nintendo online thing, but I don't believe I've ever played it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we've also got uh, Pacific Theater of Operations, a strategy game from Koei. Um, OK, folks. OK, I'm not going to say one way or another. We're definitely doing this, but. I'm just going to let everybody know, be prepared for the possibility that what we said about sports games and us not doing them anymore, that may apply to Koei games as well after next time. Yeah, there could be there could be a coming uh, Koei apocalypse. Yeah, because I'll be honest, the idea of playing a Koei game right now, like, is just. I just want to play more cool spot. I just. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I'm a simple person. I want I want my little my little red sunglasses friend 
hopping around on screen a lot more than I want to wade through a dozen different menus uh, so that a guy can shoot another yeah, guy. Yeah, I want my so. spots cool and my uncola lithiated. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, that's our strong stance here on uh, on Snescapades. So, uh, well, I guess with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, I had a lot of fun with, yeah. with these games, uh, with talking about these games at least. Uh, not yes. all of them were fun to play, but we hope you join us next time. And uh, until then, I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Link. Play it loud. Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com. You know, kind of pan around this, like, verdant green golf course and eventually, like, end with the image of this, like, disconcertingly humanoid robot. Uh, that's probably the best part of this game, honestly. And you can look that up on YouTube and just see that. So, you know, I don't really know. There's like a really great, uh, you know, argument for why you should actually play this game instead of one of the yeah. many other golf games on the Super Nintendo. You can just imagine, you know, like uh, an otherwise unremarkable, like, you know, televised golfing event. You know, you got your, your commentators <laughs> yeah, right. like... Yeah. All right there, and now uh, the next player to come up to the tee. Uh, we have Eagle right here. Uh, interesting fact about Eagle, he is a robot. Oh, you don't say, Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh